Objective and authentic coverage of Michigan athletics. If you want open dialogue, honest opinions, and in depth coverage of the maize and blue, this is the podcast for you. And now, here's your host, Brandon Brown, joined as always by Chris Brandler. I was going to start by saying go blue. Holy cow, dude, we're back in the saddle again. Back at it. Once every two weeks is not bad. Well, it's not good. It's not good. <laughs> It's not good, not bad. Obviously, that's not really the design, but you know we're we're kind of in our off season. Obviously, basketball is going on. We will get to that, I'm sure, today. A good bit. Of Feels like everybody's in their off season based on the analytics. Yes, yes that's part of what I was going to bring up here out of the gate. Um, but yeah, you were out of town last week. I'm gonna I'm gonna grill you a little bit. I got some stuff coming at you for that. Oh, yeah, I was um, definitely out of town. And. Uh, and yeah, and then we'll do we'll do burning questions, and we'll take questions from everybody who's here, all uh, all seven people that decide to watch us tonight. And uh, you know, give we'll the people some that. credit. Give it, you know, we got thirty plus people in here, from what I can see. Oh, we're fifty. We're touching fifty over Ooh, here. So. Not Happy bad. Not Happy bad. Um, yeah. So we'll. We're, I'm glad to be back, dude. I mean, we've talked about this even when we go just a week in between shows, like you know. Yeah. Tuesday, I'll roll around. I'll shoot you a text. I'm like, dude, do you remember how to podcast? I don't know. What do we do? Like, when, like what happens? And now we just did uh, two weeks off because you were on vacation. And uh, that's, yeah. it sounds like, and this, this is going to be fun. I mean, we're not going to do this for an hour, but sure. I'm going to pepper you a little bit. I'm going to throw a few things at you. Um, it sounded like it was needed. You said, like, you just needed to get some sunshine. You needed to get recharge the batteries a little bit. And you and Might I. Be really haven't talked much about your trip at all yeah that's another thing that's funny about the offseason like during football i'm this is not an exaggeration i like to embellish for storytelling purposes it's part of what i do there are days where i think chris and i call each other 10 times a day during the, <laughs> like that's probably happened a couple of times yeah every no single doubt. day during the football season though it's at least a couple phone no call doubt. back and forth definitely firing a bunch of texts you know all day and now during this offseason part, it's not like that. And dude, while you were on vacation and since you've been back, it's been like zero. And it's fine. It's fine. Like, I don't think we need to talk to each other 10 times a day every day of the year. It's, it's probably all right. But I'm like I said, I spent, I spent most of the day just staring out the window, waiting, waiting <laughs> for the warm weather, waiting for something to make me happy out there. I'm, I'm curious now, Chris, you're back from Florida. I am back. Uh, Family vacation to the Disney premises. Oh, Universal went to Universal okay. uh, Universal Studios down there, which was you know it's it went with uh, my wife and my four year old daughter, my eight year old son, and so they're at those you know those weird ages where you know you've, there's not really I mean there's some stuff there at Universal for like four year olds, but there's not you know that, not let, a me, lot. let me. Let me throw the question how I was going to throw it then, because that's exactly where I was going to go. I was just, I'm just going to be blunt. I've got <laughs> other friends with kids. Uh, I obviously have one son. I haven't done a trip like that yet. Um, yeah. But flat out, was it awesome or did it blow? No, it was awesome. I mean, it okay. was, it was great, but I will say this, I will say this, it, you know, 
I mean, when you're when you're there for a week and you know you're doing a lot of walking, there's a lot Moments. of logistics that Moments take blowing. Correct. Yes. I mean, there's a lot of you know there's. It gets hot down there. The kids need water. You got to do the bathroom breaks. You're trying to get to every single ride. You know what I mean? It's not all sunshine and and lollipops. And you right. know, it's it's it, anytime you go on a family vacation, I think there's some challenges. Anybody that's done that has gone out, especially with younger kids. It's a lot, man. It's a lot to do. But it, but at the end, you know, when you reflect on it, it was you know it was a great time, and we got to have some incredible experiences. I will say this, you know, so we stayed um, at you know. Uh, at the at a resort that was like right it was part of the universal um, resort and i <laughs> i'm not exaggerating here they had they had a cafe that was there right on site and they served some crispy chicken tenders and i'm a dude i love chicken tenders i'm a chicken tender guy I don't know that I'm off chicken tenders for what I probably ate about 40 plus chicken tenders on this five day vacation. There's no doubt about it. It went down, got me a five piece multiple times during the day. I, you know, I'm chicken fingered out. I would have set the over under higher than that personally. So <laughs> they're right there. I mean, you know, for, for five chicken fingers, some fries and a Coke, it's $27. So you got to okay. pay. Oh, oh, you got to okay. pay. I was, I was picturing like an inclusive you just go down and get the oh tender. no no okay, no no okay. it's there on site the cafe's gotcha. there but you are going to pay and pay dearly gotcha okay um, but, Old but under number shifted dramatically for correct me. It, okay. probably okay. the only reason why the number was lower was because they were they were they were so pricey but yeah i mean you know volcano bay universal studios adventure island i think it was called um a lot of, a lot of cool shit down there i mean they have this whole part of uh, adventure island that's dedicated to the marvel universe so you're walking through these you know these comic book type style buildings and shit i don't know it's re it's really cool for an eight-year-old kid for my son i think maybe he enjoyed it a little bit more we got to go on like jurassic park rides nice. and the, the king kong rides and some of that shit so uh, i was proud of him he was really brave and uh my daughter did a lot of you know did a lot of stuff as well spent a lot of time in the uh, cat in the hat uh, <laughs> area of the park there. So my wife and I had to divide and conquer to make sure we could get everything done. We wanted to, but yeah, it was good, man. It's almost like we know each other. The segues that be, that gets set up like inadvertently <laughs> just blow my mind. Dude, I was literally thinking this question. You just threw out the word brave. I remember a story, Chris, where you may have been a little frightened while on at least one ride before. Uh, if you don't know, Chris has a little bit of a claustrophobic issue terrifying. going on terrified this time around chris how were your nerves did you get more scared than your eight-year-old son uh, uh well I, I i how do i want to put this i was adequately medicated to be able to deal with the, the dark and confined spaces and so i made sure uh you know i was prepared but dude i'll be honest uh, and and you know people out there may not know and that's one thing i don't want to forget Go, like they have springfield there at universal like you walk through and it's Krusty Burgers right there, oh, and most nice. Tavern is right there. So I got to do all that shit. My kids don't watch that, so they didn't give a shit about that. But I had a good time in that that area of the park. But I'll tell you what, man, as somebody who is claustrophobic, and the older I get, I feel like the worse it gets when <laughs> when that fucking lap bar comes down and you're like locked in for the duration of the ride. And most of the rides at Universal are like they're virtual, so you're not on like roller coasters out in an open space. You're like inside of a building you know, wearing 3d goggles or whatever. And, and the, you know, the, it's dark in there. So it can feel very claustrophobic. Um, did not freak out, did not have any uh, moments of panic. Not like I did last year at Disney. 
Um, but, uh, but yeah, man, it was good. Like I said, a lot of good experiences and, um, happy we went much needed, plenty of vitamin D, but, uh, glad to be back. And, and last question, and then we'll move into the Michigan centered, uh, discussion, Chris, you know, I'm trying to be as kind as possible. You get a little upset occasionally, but as a hemorrhaging viewers, by the way, (laughs) as a follically challenged young, young man, how how the dome do we, we talked about how you like Good. dude i think i'm going to get fried down here Good well i got so i i went out and i got one of those um it's Please actually, tell me you got got a straw hat like, No no they actually have hooded uh hooded swim shirts you know the uv wow. shirts or whatever so you can throw the hood up and so i was able to do that um uh, made sure that i you know did the spf 100 whatever the hell it was you got to take care of the dome um, did not get scorched on this trip. I made it a, a point that I was not going to have that happen. And yeah, we all, the kids got a little bit sunburned the first couple of days we were at the water park, but for the most part, we were able to stay protected down there, but started to get hot, man. Like, it, you know, late February, you get into March. And I mean, we were, we were in the nineties in some days. That's why, like, I don't know that I could live at a place like Florida, you know, like I, I, I just, yeah. I, I don't, you know, my optimal operating temperature is about 65, 70 degrees. Once it gets above that, your boy just starts wow. sweating. And once it starts, yeah. it doesn't stop. Yeah. Florida, like everything's wet. You're just kind of like, I don't I I'm, You can tell when people are from Florida too, their skin I'm looks not, different. They look yeah. like, you, you know, leather sort of purse material, alligator skin sort of deal. They're shy only of like a Rawlings logo on their arm. Like, yeah, they look like an old baseball glove. Like, I, I know what you mean. Old catcher's mitt. There's a feel. There's a vibe of a Florida cat. Like, I, I don't know. Florida's not the weather. Yeah, you get down there for some sun and there's obviously some really, really cool spots. But like, there's also, also just some way over the top, busy, like, get me the hell out of here type of spots. But no. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's awesome that you had a good time. Glad you're back. Glad everybody yeah, enjoyed man. it. Um, flu spirit again, flu spirit again, did not have any major issues. Uh, so I, you know, hate to give spirit any credit, but they got us from point A to B and then back without, you know, without much issues. So my mom, yeah, all good things, man. My mom flew spirit today. Uh, flight was delayed only four hours. Uh, she made it to her destination. So spirit, you know, (laughs) we're both, we're all going to be on one again. So just let's leave. I know it. God damn it. I know it. And I hate it. Chris, you said that down in Florida, you did not get scorched. Uh, Right. In the state of Indiana, in Indianapolis, at uh, Lucas Oil, somebody did do some scorching, and that was DJ freaking Turner, dude. Yes. All right. We went to every single game this year. We talked to different players. Not so many this year, but definitely the year before. We did a bunch of player interviews. We've been around these guys. Never in my life have I thought of dj turner as a slow guy nope. but four two six bro the fastest time at the fo- at the combine this year and i believe it was a top five time all time like for yeah forever a, since four, well, two, four. yeah yeah four two four by chris johnson was the time then john ross beat that it's it's been beat a couple of times but i dude that i could not believe how fast and smooth he looked in that 40 and then obviously the time itself was incredible. Rich Eisen about had an aneurysm on the broadcast. <laughs> I just like I know you were out of town and like yeah. the combines, whatever, and these guys are now going on to the NFL. And we've talked about how we're not gonna like track their careers forever now. But like how big of a deal do you think that is? Like how surprised were you? And what do you think that does for DJ Turner's 
draft stock because I, I wasn't really sure like how he'd be viewed as a prospect, but I've heard a lot of people now saying like scouts are going back to like rewatch his tape again and yeah. again because of that time. I'll be honest. I I was surprised. I didn't, I didn't see that. You know, I didn't see a four two forty coming out of him. And, and when you went back and watched it, I mean, it, the whole thing was perfect from start to finish. He got out of the break really good, was continuously moving. You know, the, the whole thing like was beautiful. Yeah. Correct. Like he was constantly leaning forward, accelerating the entire time. Um, but yeah, I was surprised. I mean, I've, I've been on down on the field. I've watched DJ Turner play football up close and, you know, about as close as you can get as a fan or somebody who covers the team and never really viewed him that way. So to see him come out with, with the top 40 time, you know, in the combine and then one of the top, you know, 40 times all time was, was extremely impressive. And I'm happy for him, man. I'm happy for these guys when, when they can go and and I know Mozzie Smith obviously had a you know a pretty good day on the bench press, which should surprise nobody who is a yeah. Michigan football fan who watched him develop over the last year. But I think it's great when those guys can show up at the combine and and you know have a good showing and and have their draft stock possibly increase. Because to be quite honest, I really wasn't sure what kind of prospect DJ Turner was. I mean, I, I you know I there was nothing to me that screamed and, and, and love all the players, but there was nothing to me that screamed elite when I watched him play. He was good in a lot of phases, yeah. but nothing to me seemed elite. Obviously he's got elite top end speed and he proved that at the combine. And I think it's, it's going to help him get paid and, and probably get drafted. So I mean, that's, yeah, that's like not getting beat deep and recovering if you do get beat speed all the time. I mean, like, you know, corners get beat in the NFL. Like, that's going to happen. It's, you know, the receivers are really good too. But that's the kind of speed where guys will say, because I see uh, their blank name, fantastic, that he does let guys get by on, on free releases. And when he presses, he misses sometimes. But you get a little bit of a pass if you're popping off 426. I mean, like, you'd rather. You'd rather have your DBs be better and, and press and, and not let guys get behind them ever. But if you've got that kind of makeup speed, that just it just makes you a better prospect. I mean, there's a couple of positions where the 40 time is obviously really coveted, and cornerback is one of them. I mean, that's yeah. makeup speed. That's keeping speed receivers from blowing the top off your defense. That's being able to track down things from other angles and other sides of the field. I mean, like it's – it, you could probably make an argument that corner that might be the most valuable test at corner, corner and receiver. I mean, like, let's be honest. Like, those are the only two positions where a lot of times you get to just open it up for 40 or 50 yards. A lot of other positions, you just don't really get to do that. So I was really surprised to see that, really happy to see that. I know he's fast. I mean, we've heard him mentioned as maybe the fastest guy on the team or like, yeah, he's in the discussion. I you know, if you, if you had asked me last year who's the fastest player on Michigan's team, probably would have said Roman Wilson. Roman Wilson, yeah. Yeah, he was kind of viewed as the track guy coming out of Hawaii. Obviously had some some deep catches and, and just looked fast at times. I don't think he's running 4 2 six. I don't think he's he's getting anywhere near that. I mean, we'll see. Yeah, but I think some of that, like I said, I mean, he got out of the break really well. He was leaning the forward the whole time. Except, yeah, yeah, I mean, like, I, I do think there is a part of that that, that plays a factor and. You know, if if he runs the the forty, I don't know, ten times is he a four two? I don't, you know, I'm not sure that that's the case. But in, in any event, he was on he was when it counted most, and and like we talked about earlier, I think it's going to help his draft stock. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, and you you mentioned Mozzie Smith as well. So DJ Turner set the pace uh, as a runner uh, in the forty with a four two six, and Mozzie Smith set the pace in the bench press with yeah, thirty four reps. 
of 225 pounds. Chris, I mean, you sat down with him and you sat down with him and talked to him for like an hour and a half. Like, how do you feel knowing that a young man could just reach over and just press you 35 times, like without a even bad? Well, eye? I mean, the thing of it is, like, you, you know, when you get within the vicinity, like, you obviously he wasn't wearing his shoulder pads, no jersey, just regular street clothes, yeah. but it was almost as if he his body just looked uncomfortable and like, I don't know, like there's almost gotta be like custom clothing for a man yes. that's built that way because his upper body is just so it's like, it's like, huge. It's ah! his bicep is like as big as I am wide, you know, like yeah. it's, it's crazy. And so, uh, I wasn't, I wasn't surprised at all when I saw him go out there and, and dominate the bench press. And obviously you and I were, we're a couple of guys who bench quite often. So two twenty five, you know, we can get about 25 plus, but once you start getting the thirties, that's, that's elite. And, uh, was not surprised to see Mozzie Smith take the top spot there. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't remember which event. Can it you, was. Lift, what, can you bench, can you do, can you bench 225? How many times would you say? I don't even know if I could do it. <laughs> I don't know if I could do it. Dude, I haven't bench pressed in so long. So dude, that I'm so far removed from even having that kind of strength and that kind of the form required. Like, <laughs> where do I put my hands? Is it close? Like where? Like, I think it, it would, would be. be I think it would be, be great for. It would just be great television, great viewing to see two average guys who podcast out of their basement try to go through the full combine and do the very like. Could we even get to twenty five up once? What would I don't be the forty time? Do some of the various drills. A laser time forty. I'd have to be five three. <laughs> God, I hope I could get sub five three. Well, I think you'd be right about where Ryan Hayes was, about five, 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 six, maybe. Uh, I think I'd be right man. there with. So, I, I was gonna say, I did, it's funny you mentioned like how he just looks uncomfortable. Like, ah, dude, like let a little air out or something. Like something, you know. <laughs> just I don't, I don't built, remember. He's like built to just destroy things. Yeah. You know? I don't remember what event it was that we were at this summer or this year because we, you know, we did the the stuff over the the summer with the beach and we did a couple different things. But I, I remember saying, I don't know what size shirt Mozzie Smith's wearing, but it wasn't big enough. Like I, yeah. like there isn't a shirt big enough. I first noticed it. Um, I think it was when we were at the uh, the Genesee County um, Correctional yeah, Facility. Yeah. yeah, he he had, he'd taken off his coat and he was there in a t-shirt. <laughs> and I remember like everybody was huddled in an office and they were listening to, I think it was Sheriff Swanson speak. And Mozzie was like sort of standing in the doorway because he doesn't like to be around people. He doesn't like, you know, he doesn't like to to be touched or anything like that. So he was kind of off in his own little space. I remember I looked over at him. I was like, Mozzie. And he looked at me and I was like, Jesus Christ. Like, and, and it was very apparent doorway. His, like, his body literally. had changed considerably in the off season. Yeah, literally fills up a doorway. That was also the same day that Mozzie had gotten separated from the group and the cops were like, yep. he'll, he'll be They're fine. not worried about him. He's Mike Sanders still compared him to a refrigerator being thrown down a hill, you know, things <laughs> yeah. like that. I mean, accurate yeah. descriptions. Yeah, so yeah, not a surprise at all that he uh, took the top spot in the bench press. And I just, I find it interesting, man. Like, I know it's just two guys. It's the underwear Olympics, but you hear... <laughs> just all the time, SEC trenches, SEC speed. And there's two Michigan guys taking the top spot in that, in that combine. And that looks good. I mean, yeah. like, again, it's not the biggest deal. It's two guys, but optically that's two Michigan dudes getting talked about. You saw the Michigan graphics team pump something out immediately. They always do that for everybody at the combine. But when you have two, and honestly, like 
the bench press and the 40 are kind of like two of the more glorified events, right? No like, yeah. The vertical's cool. The shuttle drills are cool. But like, that's the strongest. That's the fastest. Like that, that sticks out a little bit. And you've got two Michigan guys at the top right there. So yeah, I think that's, that's very good for the program. I mean, dude, Ben Herbert probably walked into Harbaugh's offices and is like, all right, bro. Why don't you uh, <laughs> just, you, you saw that, right? Like, you know, you know what? I don't think Ben Herbert it. has to ask for anything. No, he doesn't. I, I think everybody knows the value that he provides. And and I think, yeah, what, what you're seeing in the combine and with some of these guys, the way that they develop is a testament to him and, and his philosophy and his method. And I think I said, you know, I said this months ago, um, you know, heading towards the offseason that at, at all costs, when you look at Michigan's coaching staff and some of the assistants that are there, Ben Herbert is one guy that I, I think is an absolute must to keep around. Yeah. And maybe did Moz, maybe did maybe Mozzie did get second. I might there might have been an O lineman who had like 38. I could be wrong on that. I thought I he was number so. one. I thought he, he was, was number one, but had, then what, was it number one just among uh it was certainly among defensive linemen and it was yeah, number maybe. one through several days but maybe there was a group that went after him that somebody number passed one him. In either way opinion. that's all that number counts. one in our hearts that's right, right. correct yeah, number one in our heart yeah maybe there, there might have been a usc that's i thought i did see that after the fact and i was like i don't care i'm not gonna I let it care. throw nope. off Nazi was number one that's it yeah. we're, just, we're just gonna we're just gonna start saying things that that we want to be true here on <laughs> yeah. this show that's right it, oh that's right it was the dude who had the torn acl he got he just threw up 38 times well like, that's oh. probably why because he was all you know he was he was uh you know on drugs some sort of whatever to, to, to get <laughs> yeah that's not fair that's not fair but anyway all right uh, so it's fair for me Obviously a fantastic showing from DJ Turner and Mozzie Smith and some of the other guys too, like Luke Schoonmaker ran a really good time. Yeah. Um, you know, some of the other uh, Bell looks of, solid. Yeah, he made some nice catches. Obviously, like yeah. athletically and size-wise, Ronnie Bell was never gonna be like an a, a, an a superstar in the combine, but he showed well. I know Olu tested really well for his build and bulk. I mean, he had a really good broad jump and did some other good things. So anyway, just a good all-around day for the Michigan folks at the combine, and now they will uh you know, embark on their professional careers and Chris and I will stop caring about them entirely. So there you go. Um, no. Um, and last but not least, Chris, before we get into some of our regular segments, uh, did you call Tom Brady while you were down in Florida and tell him to get his ass back out there? Is that what happened? I actually met with him. I saw him at universal. He was at the, uh, the Jimmy Buffett sort of Margaritaville, and I ran into him there at the bar, and I was like, I don't know, man, you look pretty good. I think you should make a bit of a comeback oh. here, and I think that's really what spurred it on. Uh, I, you know, I, I know that Rich Eisen put out his thing, and it, you know, the top five rumors or whatever that he heard, and you know, Brady came out, I think, twenty four hours later, and basically shot it down. You know, referencing a cat that he had bought for his daughter or something <laughs> to that effect. But you know, to me. Uh, you know, w with a guy that is as highly as competitive as he is, and he does have a year before he supposedly is going to enter the uh, the broadcasting booth with Fox, and if there is an issue, you know, to Rich's point where something medically comes back and Tua looks like they're made, you know, we obviously yeah. know about the concussion issues, something like that, and Tom can play right there at home down in Miami, you know, where where he's already at. I mean, I I'll put it this way. I wouldn't be... I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be like, oh my God, I cannot believe this is happening. I would be like, yeah, you know, makes sense for a guy like that to want to come back and give it, give it one more. So we'll see what happens. I still lean heavily, heavily toward this being his, his permanent retirement, but we'll see anything's possible. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Tua health thing is certainly a, a wild card. I mean, that's when, you know, when Brady made the decision to retire, like that wasn't on his mind. And so right. Right. that changes things a little bit. The Steven Ross, you know, Steven Ross, Michigan guy, Dolphins, like, you know, who knows? We'll see. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. If I had to make a bet on it right now, I'd say he's probably done. But yeah, you never, dude, I, it's not like he sucks. I mean, he, he can still cyborg. play it. I mean, yeah. he was, if he came back, let's say he unretired and came back, he's still, what, a top 10 quarterback in the league easily? You know, I I, I yeah. don't think there's really any question about that. Yeah, There's obviously to- some limitations. He's on the decline, but I mean, you know, in terms of his ability to read a defense, get the ball from oh, point yeah, A to point B, I mean, he's, you know, he's, he's a top 10 quarterback all day. Yeah, and, and, and then Miami, the pedigree and the way that he, you know, that just the impact a guy like that has on the roster, playing with a guy yeah. like that, gonna get the most out of the guys around him. I, he could definitely come back. A dude could play till he's fifty. There's no doubt. Miami about. has some nice pieces in place on offense. I mean, like Tua was really good last year for stretches, and then he, you know, the 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 injury stuff popped up. But anyway, yeah. What I I didn't even I don't even think I had like seen that or heard that. I don't know if I was a little unplugged. And then you sent me the article. I was like. Dude, Brady, what what is this? He's coming back again? Like, all right. And then, I, yeah, then I saw Rich Eisen talking about it on his show, and you know, we'll see. Yeah, wouldn't shock me, but I'll I'll stay. I'll stay that he's gonna. I'll say that he's gonna stay retired. And I think so. Enjoy his time off. All I right, mean, for Chris. Thanks. It's been a little bit of. It's been a little while. I don't remember <clears throat> if we did one last time. I don't think we did. I put the old soundboard back on. So I apologize if this messes up your uh, your audio, sir. But. This fucking guy. Ooh, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'll let I'll let you go right out of the gate since you uh well you had one in mind. This fucking guy. It's it's a little bit serious, not like crazy serious, but as a I'll just say I'll say who it is and then I'll give my explanation. It's John Moran. John Moran is do you remember the skit? I just every time I see his face now, this is what I think. Do you remember the skit on Dave Chappelle where, I, like Abraham Lincoln? I know is one guy that he said he's like, man, Lincoln is fucking up. He just kept like all these people just kept like, yeah, that's John Moran. Like yeah. everything he keeps doing is like, what the hell are you doing, dude? What are you doing, and why are you doing it? And now he's. I think the latest news is that he's got at least four more games that yeah. he's going to be away from the team. And the Grizzlies at one point looked like somewhat of a power in the West. I mean, they've kind of fallen back to the pack a little bit, but he's obviously a major reason for that. I'm a pretty big NBA guy, Chris, as you know. He's up there as one of my favorite players to watch. Dude is yeah. incredible athletically, and every night you're going to get some highlight Explosive, out of him. Every night. Yeah. And young, one of the new faces of the NBA, and he's just got this persona that he's like really really like from the hood and he's not he's not if you go out and look up look up his history a little bit and read about him in fact you remember the scene from eight mile where i remember i've i've seen the parodies out there yes yeah i've seen it private school clarence parents have a real good marriage and he's like posing with his family in the backyard um i don't know dude i just i really hope he didn't like screw up what he's doing and that he can come back to the to the, to the Grizzlies soon and be like a face of the league again because I freaking love watching him play and I, I love everything about his style of play and what he 
you know, what he's able to do and kind of, I, I was going to say how he carries himself on the court, but even that's like, you can't really say that right now because he looks like a moron. I don't know what else to say. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I don't, I don't have much to add there other than, you know, what's what's already been said in, you know, other, other shows and it's you look out there and it just, it sucks to see somebody squander what is such a, a great and unique opportunity that not many people in this world get to enjoy to play basketball at the highest level to make the type of money that, that he's making. And again, he's young and he's going to make some mistakes, but I don't know, man, you gotta, you gotta surround yourself with better people and, and make sure you're, you know, you're surrounded by people who are giving you good advice and want the best for you. And at some point though, you know, personal responsibility has to rule the day. And when you're out on your social media and you have the kind of following that he has and the kind of stature that he has in the league and you're flashing guns, you know, pouring liquor and drinking out of the, whatever. It's just, it's, it's, um, you just hope he gets his shit together and that he's able to come back to the NBA and, and be the good player that he is because he, he has the potential to be one of the all-time greats, but he's also his NBA career altogether from doing some dumb shit on social media. And that's really unfortunate. Yeah, it looks like there's been some some other guys who have had issues in the past reaching out. And I, I saw, like, I mean, Michigan fans obviously are going to chuckle, but I saw Plaxico Burris was pretty outspoken about how things have played out with John Morant. Um, I don't know, man. I hope, yeah, I hope the right people get a hold of him and just get him back on track because that's, uh, yeah, it sucks to see. It just flat yeah. out sucks to see. And There's, uh, there's no doubt about it. Um I'm going to give you my TFG and I've seen a couple people in the, uh, the comments already saying CJ Stroud. I feel like CJ Stroud is an easy target. I saw some of the things he said about it, you know, could have won the Heisman, yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. CJ Stroud is irrelevant to me, but I'm, I'm going to go to somebody who is also irrelevant. And I put out a story about this today and it's kind of my overarching, you know, it, it, it exemplifies why I've just tuned out of the NBA altogether. The stuff with John Morant, we talked about that, but this technical foul, on Jordan Poole last night in Oklahoma City where they, they blow the play dead and then Jordan Poole literally does not say a word and just it's a soft bounce pass to the referee and the referee like takes the ball, puts it down, tees him up and everybody's like, what the fuck? What just happened here? I don't understand that type of shit for the life of me. And I know, you know, the, the problem with that is those instances are not just isolated instances. To me, the NBA has become, and I said this in the article, it's just an unwatchable product from super teams to, I mean, Draymond's conduct last night. I also, that was in the article where, you know, he thought Jordan Poole should give him the ball and he's standing there clapping his hands and he doesn't get the pass. So Draymond just turns his back on the play and starts walking off the court. Clay Thompson goes to pass it to him and it's a turnover because Draymond's over in the corner pouting about not getting the ball. It's just, it, every time I watch the NBA, I find myself thinking like, this is a really shitty product. I'm, I'm, it's not the product that I, and I feel like an old man saying this, but <laughs> it's not the product that I grew up watching as a kid and then obviously as a young man. And I feel like really Kobe was like the last of what I view like the type of player uh, the, the NBA should be about. You know, the guy who's going to tough it out, you know, lo no load management bullshit. He's going to tough it out. He's going to play straight killer, that type of thing. Like, 
you don't see a lot of those guys. A Russell Westbrook, like standing over in the corner, like getting fans ejected for talking shit to him because he's so damn soft. You know, he's on his fifth or sixth team at this point. This guy should be, you know, a Hall of Famer. And to, to just watch the current state of the NBA, uh, it's been disappointing to turn off. And it's why I don't tune in. But my TFG is the referee for teeing up Pool for a simple bounce pass. What are we doing? Yeah, it's weird. Like holding these guys accountable. It's weird because, like, it's weird. It's weird because you'll see, um, you'll you'll see, uh, dude, the stuff other guys get away with and not get teed up. It's like, what, wow. It's so doing? subjective, and it depends yeah. on the referee and the mood that they're in. But I mean, somebody should go and review that and be like, "This guy can't fucking." It's, you're suspended for ten games or whatever it is. Like you, you, you can't make those types of calls in that type of situation. Happened in the fourth quarter, not necessarily consequential, but at a point where you know you just you can't be making those types of calls, and it's ridiculous. And it's again, it's one of the reasons why to me the NBA has just become an unwatchable product. On a slightly related note, I have found a new system of betting that seems to be working pretty well for me, Chris. I know you're super interested in that, um, but I, I, I hit nine bets in a row. I just wow, oh, that that's impressive. That's very impressive. Missed two yesterday. Looking to get back on it today, but get back uh, on another me, heater. Call me the unders god from now on, please. That's what I would like to be known as. Bet the unders. I never messed with unders before because it's like. There's like a there's like an adage in gambling like if you bet the unders you're just an asshole like yeah you, you just are but I like money so I'm gonna stick with it for a little bit <laughs> I don't want to put too many secrets out there but there you go somebody uh, said is this an NBA podcast yeah right now it is a little yeah. bit yeah I mean what, what what else are we gonna talk about here you, talk you know. about Michigan's upcoming matchup this weekend on the gridiron like what are you doing <laughs> they're like they don't play for six months another spring game preview. Nobody gives a shit. They just want to see him play. Like that's where everybody's at. But, but we are about to get into burning questions. Are you ready, dude? We really like butt heads on this one. I think we might have a little bit of disagreement on some of these burning questions. I'm excited to get into it. Well, I we'll see. We'll see. We you know we've, we we will we, see. We did text a little bit about some article ideas and things like that. And so, yeah, yeah. You know, I might storm off. We'll set. just say that Brandon and I disagree on maybe a couple of things at the present moment. Maybe a little bit. I think I, I actually, well, let's just get right into it, shall we? <laughs> let's do, do it. Start or do you want me to start? I'll start it off. I will right. start it off, and it's with an article I wrote recently, and I'm just going to ask you point blank. Brandon Brown, is Juwan Howard currently on the hot seat no and that's i think we thought there was here i'm gonna i'm gonna combine a question because let's do it just a hair. my question is it's very similar one through ten what's the warmth of juan howard's seat right now it's, we're essentially asking each other the same thing sure i wouldn't call it hot because on a one through ten scale I'm putting him at about a four. And I was on Jamie Morris's show today, Chris, and I kept coming back to the same word over and over. I can't go hot seat, but I can start throwing the word concerned around pretty heavily. I'm concerned about several things. That doesn't warrant hot seat. 
discussion yet. And if if they win tomorrow and they win on Saturday, might even maybe with just a win tomorrow, they might get in the tournament. They might. That's going to be something else that comes up a little bit here. But so to answer your question outright, I will say no. He is not on the hot seat. And one through ten, you know, one being you know a, a crisp, cool fall day, ten being your head down in Florida. Going <laughs> to give him a four on the hot seat rating. So getting a little warm, starting to warm up just a little, a little bit. bit. It's you know he's he's come he's cozy. His backside is cozy. Here's the deal, man. I I put it at a zero, and when I put out the article wow, and saw the resp- at a zero, and when I put out the article and saw the response from a lot of the fans that that were commenting on the article and some of the other stuff I've seen on social media, I am blown away blown away at the amount of people who are already ready to throw in the towel on Juwan Howard believe he's not the guy. Now make no yeah, mistake. Not not even close. Make no mistake. This season has not gone according to plan. It hasn't gone as good as anybody would hope. And there are definitely questionable coaching decisions that have been made in terms of the rotation, who's starting when, uh, you know, when, when you, you're calling a play coming out of a timeout, drawing up, drawing up a play in the last moments of the game when it matters most. It seems like maybe Michigan seems to a lot of their issues are self-inflicted and that's made this this season even more frustrating to watch. But what I will say is you know and, and a lot of a lot a lot of people want to compare it to John Beeline. You know, John Beeline created this and handed him a Ferrari and Juwan Howard has taken it and turned it into something else. Well, John Beeline arrived at Michigan with about 15 years head coaching experience. And even right out of the gate, John Beeline didn't take off and ascend to you know to, to new heights well, he missed the Michigan, tournament in his first Michigan year blue. i know now yeah, granted know michigan that. blue but john beeline also had 15 years of coaching experience which is why i think when jim harbaugh arrived and people said well the, the football program was in shambles the expectation was yeah but jim harbaugh is an experienced coach success everywhere he goes should turn this thing around quicker all i'm saying is juan howard so far in his michigan coaching career has missed the tournament once in his first year, and that was when the tournament was canceled due to COVID. He's made it to the Sweet 16. He's made it to the Elite Eight. He's won a Big Ten championship. He's been AP Coach of the Year. He has had some incredible moments and accomplishments in his, you know, three-plus years as head coach of the University of Michigan. And the idea that people are already – wanting to throw in the towel just because this has been a sour year. John Beeline didn't make the tournament in year eight. It hasn't been a perfect run for even a guy like that who has tremendous coaching experience and a guy that people like to refer to as the gold standard for Michigan basketball. So, you know, for a guy who had zero coaching experience and who's come in and done a pretty damn good job, and by the way, if you have guys like Musa Diabate and Caleb Houston in the lineup and you don't lose, you know, your starting point guard, you know, eight weeks into the season, you know, your veteran point guard who you got from the transfer portal. If, if you don't have those things happen, this team is probably in a different spot getting the echo, by the way. Um, the team's probably in a different spot. And so, I, you know, you got to give Juwan Howard the benefit of the doubt. Hasn't been a great season, but they're just about to start the Big Ten tournament. Anything could happen. Michigan could still make it into the NCAA tournament, make a run. And then, I don't know, all of this talk about hot seat, is he the right man for the job? It becomes irrelevant because now that's three straight years that Juwan's gotten them into the tournament. But even if he doesn't, 
even if Michigan loses to Rutgers, doesn't make the NCAA tournament, I do not think Juwan Howard is on the hot seat. Now, if it happens again next year and this team looks the same, then you really got to start to question whether or not he's the right man for the job. But I think this is way too premature. Yeah, I think everything you said is spot on. I mean, like, I, I do think... I'm, again, I'm a little concerned, and you named some of them. The you know the plays out of a timeout, the glaring lapses in defense at times. The Let lack me reference of- one specifically that that you had put on Juwan, which was Kobe Bufkin's late game decision instead mm-hmm. of you know at Indiana instead of taking the ball himself, looking confused, giving it to Hunter Dickinson who wasn't even looking, and they couldn't even get a shot up with a chance to either tie it or win it. To me. That's not a Juwan Howard issue. They didn't have a timeout, so they couldn't really set anything up. Kobe Bufkin had to make a decision, and I get that Kobe Bufkin is a young player, but he's also a sophomore playing at a Power 5 program. He's not you know, playing peewee league where he, he doesn't know his head from his ass. I mean, this is a guy who's been playing basketball pretty well for a long time, now starting to play it at a high level. He's got to be better in that situation, and of course, Juwan Howard has to coach these guys and try to give them more confidence in those situations. But to me, that was a Kobe Bufkin issue. And I never like to come down on the players, and I'm not going to criticize them because we all make mistakes. And that was a mistake by Kobe Bufkin, and he owns that mistake. you got to know that you, you, you can't pass it to your center at half yeah. court and expect the same type of magic where, who the hell was it against that, that Hunter Dickinson drained the, uh, you know, the near half court three-point uh, shot last was second? Wisconsin? Was it, I believe it was Wisconsin. I don't know if he was trying to recreate that magic, but in that instance, especially with Kobe Bufkin becoming a very draftable NBA prospect, that's ball in your hands. You're taking that game-winning shot. That's got to be all you, and I think he just had a lapse in judgment, and that's on him, and you got to move on from it. But I don't know that I put that on Juwan Howard or a lack of coaching. I think – so I tweeted about that, and I I maybe – it's not – it's certainly on Kobe some. Some of the, I mean, you, you've got to know better as a basketball player who's been playing basketball at a high level for 15 years, probably at this point. But my, my point was, and look, as a former coach, Chris, you know, my, my, my esteemed career coaching middle school basketball, but listen, I was a, I was a head coach of a basketball program and I, I coached the sport before I'm not comparing myself to Juwan Howard. Do not get it twisted. But in that moment, you have five guys on the floor, and you have to know that they all know exactly what to do in that situation, and that's the coach's job. There, there can't be – it's it's Kobe's fault for having the laps, but it's also Juwan's fault for not making sure. And look, maybe he did, dude. I don't know. Maybe at some point he grabbed Kobe by the jersey and said, if you get the rebound, you press it to the middle of the court, you look to spray it to the wing, or you take the shot. And then they go out there and Kobe does what he does and throws it into Hunter Dickinson's back. That That's something that we won't know. I guess that's fair. I think there's blame in both areas. And I think when you look at how so many end game situations have gone, it's not a coincidence that they look disheveled and out of out of sync. Awful. Sure. And and that's where it may be not that specific instance, but overall late in games where Michigan just Isn't seems bad. to shoot themselves in the foot. Yes. That's what I'm saying. Like, look, it's happened a lot this year, and you want to see Michigan learn from it. And if you carry that over into next year, then I think people can start to really seriously ask the question, like, okay, is Jawan Howard, is this a problem? Is this the right guy for the job? Because now we're seeing these issues carry over into year two with a different roster. And look, he's going to have more turnover. He's going to lose 
probably lose Jet, probably lose Kobe. Who knows yeah. what's happening with Hunter Dickinson? I mean, you're talking about a lot of firepower that you're potentially going to lose and have to replace. And I think that that's, you know, that's another talking point altogether. But there's no doubt that this season hasn't gone the way people hoped it would go. Um, obviously, some things have happened that that have you know made it a little more challenging. But at the end of the day, they've got to be better. And as a reminder, the season isn't over. The Big Ten yeah. Championship is still looming out there. The Big Ten Tournament still looming <laughs> out there. And then you have the opportunity to get in the NCAA Tournament. And you win a couple games in the NCAA yes. Tournament, and now all of a sudden – and, and that's going to be one of my questions for you. But now all of a sudden that season that that looked, that's one of the things I've noticed about this fan base. Like Michigan goes out, there was an emotional game against Michigan State in Ann Arbor. Michigan came out on top. And this fan base is just so up and down with the team and with Juwan Howard and, and sort of riding this roller coaster of emotion. I'm going to sit back and wait and see how this season finishes. No matter how it finishes, he's not going to be on the hot seat but it will determine how I view the importance of next year and what Michigan needs to accomplish with Juwan Howard as head coach. A couple things as we put a bow on that. Um, C.J. Frazier asks, can you ever uh, put a guy in a hot seat who can't get fired? Well, let's ask Jim Harbaugh that question, shall we? Uh, you know, <laughs> they got a couple of guys in there who seem to be kind of like immune to that because of yeah. where they played and their reputation as former Wolverines. But now, I, I now that. listen, I mean, if you're, if you're also throwing in the other things with Juwan, which a lot of people do. And I brought this sure. up in the article, some of the, you know, where his emotions have gotten the best of him. If you're throwing those things in as well, I, I can see where there is a segment of people who are questioning whether or not this guy is, you know, is he ready to be a head coach at a power five program? And he inherited a great program from Beeline. And we've seen some things that have been like eh, some suspensions here and there and, you know, some some other things that have happened. But to me, overall, if I were to, to define his first, you know, 3.9 years in Ann Arbor, I feel like it's been an overall success. I mean, I, I can't really point to an instance where it's like that was a bad season other than this year. It Let feels me, like it's been a bad season, but how many games have they lost by less than six points? Six yeah. points or less? I think it's twelve, right? Two well, possessions. Listen, that's that's the one of the somebody gave us a uh, a super a super chat here. Juwan gets one. Steve Deese's burner account. Thank you. Juwan gets one more year in his mind. Juwan is one and twelve, Chris, in those one possession games that you're talking about, and that's. I think it's two possession. One. I don't think it's been twelve one possession games. That's maybe overall, not just this year, I think. Okay, okay. May, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. That's, fine. that's He says that's indefensible, and it, it kind of is. Like, that's at some point, like, in in a coin flip world, you're winning half of those games, dude. I mean, and, like, so the fact that he's – it's almost like he's the reason – why that's happening. And that's a little harsh. I mean, I'm, I can't, I can't pretend to know what happened in all 13 of those games, but, and then he, he just wrong pistol Pete drippy. We're not going to get into that again, but that was the, yeah. the last part of his, his comment there. But was that just the first burning question? It was, well, both wow. of us had one there though. Yeah. Okay. So we combined it. Yeah. Um, uh, and then real quick, another super chat to get Sean Bennett in there. Rosie at the spring game, bro. I hadn't it thought about a, it. It is a possibility. LC. I've been kicking around the idea. I've been, you know, thinking about um, maybe making some calls here and, and trying to see what we can do in terms of getting her a good spot. So I'll Man. put it. I'll put it here. I'll put it at a 50-50 that Rosie makes an appearance in Ann Arbor for the spring game. How about yeah. that, man? That would feel so good. 
in month of you know, April, what, roll two and a half weeks just to be at the big house again, <sighs> Rosie out on the scene. It just gives you a little bit of, I'll, I'll be honest, man. I miss football season so damn much. <laughs> like it, it is tough when football season is not around. Uh, and it would be nice to be able to be out in full force and really take in the full experience of the spring game. So 50, 50 shot that Rosie is there on site. Yeah, that, that sounds nice. We're so far away from football, but that, that, that sounds nice. Yeah. I like, I yeah. like the sound of that. I like the I idea like the of, that. of that. All right. Um, I guess I'll go. You started yeah. and then I threw mine in and then we kind of just melded it into one big. All right. So on, on the same topic, Michigan basketball flat out, Chris, does Michigan beat Rutgers tomorrow? Do they win their first Big Ten tournament game tomorrow? I think they do. I think Michigan okay. does. I think Michigan you know, favored by two and a half. By the way, so okay, almost, you know, it's kind I of a toss. Three up. last, but what, whatever. Maybe favored it moved by, a little bit. Okay, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. I think Michigan does. I mean, I think Michigan is the better team, and I think if they can play to their team strengths, I think if they can utilize Hunter Dickinson and look, if Hunter Dickinson can play stronger in the post and be more of a dominant force that I think he should be. You know, you've got Jed Howard back. You've got Doug McDaniels playing pretty good ball. You've got Kobe. But I mean, they they have weapons on this team. They've got guys that can make things difficult for the opposing defense. And I think, you know, there is a sense of all of these talking points in the fan base and the people who are doubting this team and doubting their head coach. I, they're it's not like they're immune to it. They have to be aware of it. And if they show up in Chicago with a chip on their shoulder and play the way that we all believe they can play, I think Michigan's going to get out of there with a W. They need it. They got to have it. Everybody knows it. And I think they're going to go in and play like that. I say yes as well. I mean, think about it. They just went into Piscataway and won by 13 two weeks ago, which that's yeah. a really tough place to play. Michigan was a five-and-a-half-point dog in that one, and they they came out of there with a, a really nice win, held Rutgers to just 49 points or 40, 48 or 49 points. But they – I was talking about this on the radio today, Chris, with Jamie, and I think if you can take – there's not a lot of teams out there in the Big Ten or in the country – who can say they have what Michigan has a seven foot one dominant all American type of center upperclassman, a freaky size wise two guard who is a, a, a legitimate lottery pick prospect right now. Yep. in Jet Howard, a do it all again, six foot five smooth lefty who can play deep. I think Kobe Bufkin's defense is vastly underrated, by the way. He's phenomenal guard. 40 steals on the year. Dude, he's so good at locking yeah. down on the perimeter. Something that Jet Howard needs to work on quite a bit, by the way, yep. but that's for another day. And then, I know I know Doug McDaniel is a freshman, but you'd be hard-pressed to find a, a point guard who can push the ball as fast as he can anywhere in the right. country. Playing so when well. You put, when you put those four things together – there's just not a lot of teams on paper that can say they've got the same kind of juice. I think if you take the best 10 minutes of basketball that Michigan can play and stack it up against the best 10 minutes of basketball that any other team can play, they're like, they're elite. They are elite. It's just that you don't see it enough and late game stuff. And you know, like I said, dude, I I get so angry as again as a top flight point former point guard myself. The amount of <laughs> the amount of times that the guards don't enter the ball into Hunter Dickinson it drives me makes nuts. me insane. Especially especially when you're in a scoring drought. 
that seems like go to that well, let Hunter Dickinson work in the post, and then either he's going to get fouled, he's going to make the shot, go to the line, whatever the case is. But when yeah. you start to get in those instances where you've missed two and three straight, set the offense up, run it through Dickinson, and let him go to work. There's just, to me, there's too many lapses where they go two, you know, five, six, seven minutes without scoring, and then they've got to try to make it all up. And before you know it, you're in a close game at the end. And then yeah. lo and behold, what happens? you make a shitty decision at the end that costs you the game. I mean, the, the last, if if I'm not mistaken, their last three games of the regular season have all been oh, overtime man. or double overtime, and yep. they're one and two in those games. Yeah. So, you know, the two losses were on the And road. one required Hunter Dickinson to basically hit a miracle shot. Yeah, yeah. You know, that that wasn't even that wasn't how that play was drawn up. At least it didn't look like it to me. It looked like Hunter well, Dickinson just ended up with the ball. We've now seen Hunter Dickinson hoist thirty footers at the buzzer for two or three we games have. in a row. So maybe that's what they, that's yeah. what they like. That what? they go in the they go in the huddle, they draw it up. Hunter, we'll, we'll let will the guards dribble around a little bit, um, and then Hunter, you just jack up a thirty footer because nobody's going to block it. My dad said I was a D one prospect. No, I was not. Uh, no, I I absolutely was not. He was my coach, but uh, maybe maybe for him D D one stands for something else. I don't know. Like but, the uh, uh, middle school development league. <laughs> anyway, uh, but no, the, the, the entry pass thing, dude, again, I, I coach middle school. Bat- I remember I literally had to have like a sit down with my guards and be like, if our post player who's bigger and better than the other team is, you can see the front of their Jersey and the player is behind them. They're, yeah. they're still there. The defender is there, but they're behind them. That person's open. Did you know that? They like literally didn't know that le- that level of basketball players. They think the, their teammate has to be standing wide open to throw them the ball. I didn't think that you you thought that way in college, but that's what it looks like sometimes. Yeah, Hunter's big old number one is just staring down the guard <laughs> on the perimeter, and they they fake it and look, and then they just they move it around. I I don't understand that. Anyway, all right, goddamn ball. Steve Deese burner account again. Michigan, Indiana are the two teams that have the size to bother Edie and therefore are the only two teams who can't win the Big Ten tournament. I see Michigan making a run. They absolutely could make a run. There's, yes. there's Michigan just happens to get Purdue in the second game if if they beat Rutgers, which is tough. So, yeah. we'll but they played them tough the last time the two met, and I think that that is a winnable game for Michigan again if they play to their strengths and they play to what they're capable to the level they're capable of playing. And and that's been the biggest issue for this team is they're so damn up and down. Sometimes they show up, sometimes they don't. And maybe they're going to find that rhythm here in the NCAA or, or in the, the big 10 tournament. And that'll carry over into the NCAA tournament. I mean, we're all pulling for that. I mean, Christ is people who create content and need to write articles and need to yeah. cover some shit. Believe me, Brandon and I are pulling for this team to make a run in the conference tournament and then over in the uh, the NCAA tournament. Plus, March would be a hell of a lot more fun with the Wolverines. Even though it's tonight. been frustrating at times, I still like watching them play. I don't like yeah. thinking that the season's over. I want to watch a few more games, yeah. man. Like No doubt. Yeah. All right. So there you go. We both think Michigan wins tomorrow to, to, to play again on Saturday. We do. There you go. Yes, we do. Uh, all right, Brandon, I'm going to throw it back to you. This goes back to the Juwan Howard conversation um, that we had in the first question. And I'm just going to ask, what does Juwan Howard have to do, have to accomplish in order for this season to be considered a success? Does he need to win the, the Big Ten tournament? 
Does he need to, you know, make a run in the NCAA? Like, what in your mind? Obviously, the regular season didn't go the way that folks had hoped. Mm -hmm. So for you to sit back when it's all said and done and say, you know what? That ended up being a success. What needs to happen? It's it's not even about Juwan, and it's not even about Michigan at this point. Like, in my mind, if you're a basketball team in college with a pulse, you make the tournament. You make the tournament. Like, that's that's the baseline. If you're not making the NCAA tournament, then you're you're not getting it done. And, you know, the, you, you mentioned it. It's, it's crazy. I kind of, like, forgot that that was just last year. But Musa Diabate, Caleb Houston, both being one and dones. Like, I... I think in recruiting two five-star All-American type guys, like they probably thought that was a possibility, but then the way this the way the season played out, it was like, all right, you guys could pro like neither one of them are making an impact. They're not doing shit in the NBA, yeah. and and how how impactful would would Musa and Dickinson be? You know, I mean, that yeah. guy was an animal. He he, you know, the cover, protect the rim sort of guy, jump out of the gym, got the Kevin Garnett sort of build to him and feel and electricity to him, and then Caleb Houston who you know, wasn't very consistent, but I would have expected him to make a big jump uh, in the next year. And then, yeah, you know, the, the issue with Frankie Collins and, and people, you know, you can debate on what Frankie would or would not have been, but you know, they lost oh. some guys that were expected to make a pretty big impact. I can tell you, he'd have been nice to have once Jalen Llewellyn tears his ACL, you no know, doubt. and now you got to go with Doug McDaniel instead. And yeah, so there, there have been some things this year, but it, I don't, I don't care. Make the tournament. Yeah. Like that's, that's the baseline for, so in a your mind, college basketball program, if Michigan makes the tournament, regardless of what happens from, so make, because making the tournament, I think we're, we both believe got to, you have to at least beat Rutgers. We'll see yes. what happens against Purdue, but that means Michigan wins at least one game in the big 10 tournament. And then you've got to make the NCAA tournament. And then if that happens, regardless of what happens beyond making the tournament, you'll sit back and view it as mostly more of a success than a failure. I would say. Definitely. No doubt. And I think if they beat Rutgers, they've got a chance to get in. That's going to be another yeah. quad. I think that's still quad one win. I know Rutgers is like, so. not, they're not awesome, but they're, they're a good team. They're, they're viewed similarly to Michigan. Actually, I think their records may be a game or two better, but yes, it's, it's, it's kind of like, I just feel like I have baselines for just about everything when it comes to all kinds of sports and like kind of where you should be. And in college basketball, you win 20 games, you make the tournament. Like that's where you need to be if you right. think you're doing the right thing. And then yeah, you 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 hope that you trend up a little bit every year and then there's going to be a dip here and there and that's how sports works. But yeah. Make the tournament, man. That's that's got to be what your your baseline goal is. So if they don't this year, that's a failure. And if they do end up squeaking in by beating Rutgers and if they beat Rutgers and Purdue, like they're they're in. There's no doubt. But I yep. think if they beat Rutgers, even they've got a shot. And if they get in, cool. I'm happy. I'm happy with this season. Would have liked to see a couple things done a little bit better, but I'm not going to be mad about how it played out. I like it. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. I think that's where it's at is, you know, if, if they can make some noise in the conference tournament, get themselves into the NCAA tournament, depending on what the seating looks like and, and where they're ultimately at. Um, it would be hard for me to sit back. I mean, that would be three straight seasons that Juwan Howard's made the NCAA tournament. You throw in the Big Ten Championship under his belt, the AP Coach of the Year under his belt. And I mean, he has done some good. He signed two number one classes in the Big Ten Conference. It's not like this guy has been awful. There have definitely right. been some things that could use some improvement. And you would expect that from a guy who is a head coach for the first time in his career. He's not. It's not a guy that showed up with 
15, 10, 5, 2, 3, 1 year of experience. This is his first time doing this as a head coach, and I think so far he's done a pretty damn good job. Even if John Beeline handed him something great, you know, stepping into a COVID year, having to deal with NIL, having to deal with the transfer portal, those are things that John Beeline really never had to contend with, and Juwan Howard has to deal with those things. And so he's facing a different set of circumstances, and I think given what he's faced, he's done a he's done an adequate job, a pretty good job. And, and again, we all know it needs to be better next year during the regular season, but back to the hot seat thing, not even close. Yeah. All right. And then this is my last basketball one. I don't know what you've got for the remaining uh, two or three, whatever. However, we are uh, dividing those up now since we kind of had the same question out of the gate. Dude, I've got like, you know what? I've got like four more on my list, but I might just throw them out because the the talking points might not be long, but some are basketball related. We'll just I'll throw them out to you. We'll we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. We haven't been out in two weeks. I don't give a shit. That's right. I'm fine with it. My my question then, Chris, is is just – what we just talked about, if, you know, right now, today, your house on the line, you put your house up, Chris, <laughs> does Michigan make the NCAA tournament? Are they freaking dancing? Are they dancing? Uh, bro? I just, burning, I can't a burning question. My gut tells me, yes, my gut tells me that Michigan is a tournament team. And if, you know, and if there's a, a, you know, a committee, a group of people that are going to look at it and, and analyze Michigan and say, is this a team that belongs in the NCAA tournament? I think ultimately that answer is going to be yes, but Michigan's got some work to do before they get there. You got to beat Rutgers. You know, you see what happens against Purdue, but I I think at the end of the day, Michigan makes the NCAA tournament. I do. I, I do too, man. I just feel like. Beating Rutgers, which again, that's not a gimmick. I'm almost like talking about it like it's already happened. Like Rutgers yeah. is a pretty good team. Like they're team. they're not going to go away. I just feel pretty good about what Michigan did against them on their home court, and now they're getting them tomorrow. You know, on a neutral court, so I feel pretty good about that. And then yes, the Purdue game looms large. I I do too. I just feel like just, they got to get in. Maybe it's a play in game. I don't care, but I I feel like they should get in. And I can tell you this, I, I don't care. You know, they'll be 18 and 14 if they win tomorrow. And they're, you know, they're probably not going to get to that 20 win mark. They make the NCAA tournament. There's not a lot of teams that want to, that want a piece of them. They, they, nobody's going to want to play them, dude. They're, they're the, the flip argument to that. And that though, then is, well, then stop losing games at the end every week. Stop. <laughs> the, how do you lose to central? Because if you've got to believe be good. You've got to believe at some point in time that silliness is going to stop and that they're going to get it figured out. Yeah. And it just sucks that it's gone on for this long to where, well, now the Big Ten tournament's here. And you you hope you've been able to fix those things and learn from those mistakes. And we'll find out tomorrow. And to put a bow on that, yeah, I mean, you don't have to be, you know, the the juggernaut getting in. I mean, Michigan's been that way the last couple of years, making it to a Sweet 16 and Elite Eight. They weren't like you know, some big time favorite. They just got hot at the right time. They had some, that's where I'm worried a little bit because they don't have the experienced guards that they've had in the past. Even though like, I don't know if anybody was in love with Mike Smith or, you know, was it Devonte Jones? Like, you know, there were, they had some shortcomings, but they were veteran dudes, man. They didn't get, they didn't get rattled. They were unflappable. I love Doug McDaniel. I love what I've seen from him, but I don't know if you're going to get that same kind of poise out of him 
if they do make the tournament and it's yeah. guard play is really important in the tournament, man. You, yeah. I, I mean, it we'll definitely, it, it feels different as, as somebody who clearly has not played in the tournament, but when you watch it yes. and, and just the energy that's in the building, it's, it's a different vibe, different, different sort of animal. And we'll see how they respond. I mean, you know, that's, that's what good teams in the tournament do. They, they respond, they go on a hell of a run and, and the rest is history. And so we'll, we'll see where Michigan is at, you know, starting Thursday. Yep. Got to have that one. All right. All right. And I I don't know that this is a fair question, but somebody, you know, when I wrote this article about Juwan Howard and being on the hot seat, there were multiple comparisons made here. And so I'm going to ask it anyway, and I'm going to see if you can try to answer it. I know it's comparing apples to oranges. I get that, but we're going to do it anyway, because we do whatever we want on this show. We do. Who has had the better first four years as head coach at Michigan? Has it been Juwan Howard or has it been Jim Harbaugh? A better first four-year outing. Juwan. And it's because he won a Big Ten championship. And that's that's it. I, I mean, I could go back and kind of look at the percentages and maybe the impact made. I do think Juwan inherited a better product. So you got to give some, you know, some props to Harbaugh for turning it also around vastly quicker. inexperienced as head coach. So that has to factor sure. into that as well. Yeah, I mean that's just that's it. The first gig out and he's winning Big Ten championships. I mean, it took Harbaugh. We we know how long it took Harbaugh. So I think Juwan, but I, I think you could if you were starting to make, you know, bullet points for each guy, you'd get quite a few pros in both columns. And I think that's it feels, you know, the, 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 the health of both programs was probably a little bit higher, like last year than it is right now. I mean, that's pretty obvious, but yeah. first four years and, and Juwan is, this is fourth, right? This is this his is fourth. His fourth yeah. Yeah. I, I still think it's Juwan for the simple fact of him winning a conference championship. AP I mean, coach of the year. I think that counts yeah, a lot, you know, an elite, an elite eight appearance, you know, yep. playing UCLA. So yeah, I agree. And, and that's why I asked that question. I mean, I know that the, you know, the obviously Jim Harbaugh had to face and deal with Ohio state. And that was, you know, kind of that inconquerable mountain there at the beginning that, that really held Michigan back. But, you know, when I look at those, those two different four year stretches to me, I feel like it's Juwan and that's further reason why, you know, Jim Harbaugh got to, you know, what, what year was, was it year six where Harbaugh went two and four? Yes. Before he really turned things around. Yes. And so, and I think, in, in, you know, John Beeline in year eight, like I said, didn't even make the tournament. I think he was what, 16 and 16, something like that. Didn't have a very good record. So it happens. I guess what I'm just preaching when it comes to Juwan Howard is patience, because I think he's done a pretty damn good job for his first four years as head coach and his fourth year isn't even over yet. So let's see what happens. Let's see how it plays out. I like and you're out question. of questions, right? No, I've got two left and they're both football. Oh, you do. Okay. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's yeah, do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, so my question, Chris, I'm first going to rattle very quickly Michigan's football schedule for this upcoming season. I know we probably know it, but to hear them all just in order again, let that let that marinate for a second before I throw the question at you. Home, East Carolina. Home, UNLV. Home, Bowling Green. Home, Rutgers. At Nebraska. At Minnesota. Home, Indiana. At Michigan State. Home, Purdue. At Penn State at Maryland, home Ohio State. All right, there's the 12 game schedule that Michigan will will take on next year in 2023. Chris, will Michigan improve on its win margin in 2023? Its winning margin 
was by an average of 24.4 points in 22. Number two in the country, behind only Georgia. That was ahead of Alabama. That was ahead of Ohio State. Their wins were by an average of 24.4 points. Will it be higher than that in 2023? I think it's going to start off higher than that the first four weeks. But yeah. I think when you go on the road to Lincoln and on the road at Minnesota, um, and then you've got you know a stretch there where – you know, I've brought it up multiple times. Five of seven games are on the road, and those aren't those aren't easy games. I mean, you've got to go State. to East Lansing, yeah. you got to go to Penn State, you got to go out to Maryland right before Ohio State. I mean, you've, you you know, I think it'll be close. And I'm I'm very high on Jesse Minner and very high on what this defense is capable of. Really looking forward to seeing guys like Rod Moore, Mike Sane, we're still Will Johnson, Chris Jenkins, Rayshon Benny. What's Braden McGregor going to look like? Jalen Hare. All these guys, I I feel like they are loaded to have the top defense in the country. But it was, dude, they had a stretch where it was like I forget what the number was, but they had outscored opponents in the second half. 100 to three over like a four or five game stretch. That's very, very tough to do. Um, Also, let me throw you one more little caveat on. Yeah, go ahead. Last year was the first time ever that Michigan beat Michigan State, Penn State, and Ohio State by more than 21 points in the same season. Like that certainly helps that margin. It does. It does. And I don't think that's going to happen because I'm predicting a loss against Penn state. And I think Ohio state's going to play. Listen, here's the thing about this game against Ohio state. And I don't want to get off on a tangent about, Oh, let's get it. But you better believe that the Buckeyes, the Buckeyes (laughs) have spent every single day since that game, envisioning themselves planning that block O flag at the 50 yard line in the big house. They are coming to Ann Arbor with every intention in doing that. And I just got to say, you know, it, it, I, I was all about it when Michigan did it in Columbus. You can't <laughs> let that fucking happen. Even if you don't win that game, you cannot let that happen. If you're those Michigan football players, you got to deal with that. But, but that being said, I do think that the game is, is going to be, um, closer, even though Ohio State doesn't have C.J. Stroud, I think they're still going to be a solid team. Obviously, they're going to be a good team every single year. The recruiting is always really good. Um, and and I think it's going to be a close game in Ann Arbor, but I do think Michigan wins that game and makes it three straight and gets to the Big Ten Championship. So I think they lose to Penn State. It's going to wow. be a late-season game on the road. You know, I know a lot of people are saying it's going to be big noon kickoff, which pisses me off. Big noon kickoff ruins everything. I'm sick of doing big noon kickoff. You already know how I feel about the Fox crew over there, the Fox cord management crew. <laughs> Come see me, cord Fox management crew. I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait to run into you. I won't forget your face. Uh, but either way, that is going to be a difficult late road game against a team that was what I, they were better than I thought they were last year, 11 and 2, and won the Rose yeah. Bowl. So, yeah. You know, Penn State's going to be a formidable opponent. I think again this year they're going to give Michigan fits, but ultimately I think Michigan goes eleven and one during the regular season, gets back to the Big Ten championship and uh, into the college football playoff. And I've said it, I think Michigan wins a national championship in twenty twenty three. So long winded, long winded answer to answer your question. Mm-hmm. I think the margin goes down slightly okay. because I think that some of those games late well, in the year, five out of the seven being on the road. I just, I, you know, I don't see them making a, 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 the type of stretch that they made again, where they, you know, second half. I mean, you're not put it this way. Ohio state's going to score more than three points in the second half in Ann Arbor. I believe that. 
Well, I, if you've got a loss in there, then that obviously eats into that. That does. And then what was it? The, did Michigan State even score in the second half? Blank them. I think it was only Nine Penn seven. State that yeah, managed three so. points. So yeah. I just don't see that happening again. I, you know, it, it, I think will Michigan State be good? I'm not sure. But when you have to go into East Lansing and there's bad blood between the two programs, and you know that Mel Tucker is going to have the Spartans fired up, and you know, I think that that one's going to be a battle. So I'm going to say under. I'll take the under on that. I'm going to say yes, because I don't think they're going to lose. I think they're going to have another undefeated regular season. They're going to be favored in every game. Which and would be I, the first time since the 1940s that's happened. Yeah. By the way. And I, I think I think they're deeper than they've ever been. So even when you trot out the second and third unit guys, they're still going to be like, I'm thinking about like, because where are you? Where you real? I mean, it's incredible that they beat their three biggest rivals or three best teams in the East by more than 21 points. I don't know if they'll do that again. That's incredible. That's an incredible yeah. feat to beat Michigan State, Ohio State, Penn State all by more than 21 points. That's going to be really hard to do, but I think where you do build up a really big cushion is by shellacking those cupcakes at the beginning of the year. And I think Michigan's going to do that. They did it last year, but I think they're going to do it again. I'm with you. It's probably going to be pretty close. I mean, I'd be surprised if it dips in either direction by more than two or three points. But I that number is just really impressive, and I was curious to think, you know, can they do it better? I mean, this is now going to be three years in a row where it's like, oh, man, they were so freaking good under Mike McDonald. How can they do that again? Well, they did it again, and they did it better without a couple of first-rounders and with a new D.C., and now they've got that D.C. back. We've talked about how loaded that defense is. I think the offense is going to be better. I think they're going to improve on it. I think they're going to go 12 and 0 again. And I think they're going to be up in the, you know, north of 25 points margin of victory. And that would put them at or near the top of the country. Cause I think, I think Georgia was 26.4. Yeah. Michigan was 24.4 and Ohio state was like 23.2 or something like that for your top three. So there you go. There's no doubt. Well, I think we're all hoping that that's going to be the case. They certainly yeah. have the talent to do it and uh, loaded on that side of the ball, loaded on the offensive side of the ball. We've talked about it before. They are just, there's not many areas where, and, and shit, if Marion Walker becomes what we all hope he, right. he can become, this team is, this team is just built to win a national championship. Um, I'm going to ask you this question. It's, it's, it's kind of a playoff of what I asked you about Juwan Howard, comparing Juwan Howard's first four with Jim Harbaugh's first four. And maybe this is a dumb question. I don't know. I've been known to ask dumb questions from time to time, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Brandon, do you think it's harder to win a national championship in college football or in college basketball? I think football. I do think it's football. I mean, there's 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 kind of an established machine that exists in football and it feels really hard to disrupt it or break through that wall. I think in, I mean, I think you just look at it, look at who's won a national title in football and then look at who's won national titles in basketball. You've got a lot more variation, a lot more parody, a lot, you know, no, no dynasty runs like you saw with Alabama. And now Georgia looks like they're on their way. Clemson was certainly in there for a while. I can't remember the exact number, but all of the playoff, appearances were made up of like nine teams or something for a long stretch of time. So I think it's, it's harder in football. I mean, I, I do think that if Jim Harbaugh manages to get to the playoff again and ultimately the title game and maybe compete in that and win it, that will be an, just an absolutely incredible achievement from where he was in 2020 and what I thought about him and the program 
in 2020. But also, I think the football program is they're certainly much closer to it right now. So, I mean, like yeah. to ask that question in big picture, I think it's harder in football. But where Michigan is right now, I think it's easier in football because they're more ready for it. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah, I mean, no, that like, makes they're, sense. They're right yeah. there. I mean, they've they've been in the playoff two years in a row. So, yeah, it's a testament to how good uh, how good of a job Jim Harbaugh has done because I think it's really hard in football, really freaking hard. I think I lean more towards college football being more difficult, but making it through the NCAA tournament tough, and you man. have sixty four teams and and all of the you know, the, the underdogs that are there and the upsets that happen, there is, there is just incredible moments every single year that shake up the bracket and change the way that things look. And it just feels like I, you know, for Michigan to make a national championship run in 2023 would be incredible, but I'm, I'm sitting here in March expecting it to happen for Michigan basketball to win a national championship, it would be now granted a lot of that's based on the way that the season's gone, but it would be have to just be a magical journey through the tournament that right now seems so improbable because there's so many hurdles you have to jump through to get to that point. So I think it's close, but I, I think you're right. I, I would lean more towards college football right now, just because when you have established championship teams, it's really hard for the outsiders to break through and to smash through that yeah. wall, you know, where it was Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, those, you know, those teams year in and year out. You know, if if you were a TCU or if you were, you know, anybody outside of that flock, like you you didn't even have a shot at that. Now expansion might help that a little bit and help a little more parity in college football. And I would like that. But yeah, right now it seems like uh Seems like college football might be a little bit harder to win a natty at this point. Yeah, I was. I mean, I pulled up the basketball one. I was going to do do uh, do football real quick. So, I mean, if you look back basketball the last ten years, there's only a couple repeats. You got Kansas, Baylor, Virginia, Villanova, North Carolina, Villanova. There's your one repeat. Duke, Connecticut, Louisville, Kentucky. I mean, there, there's one repeat in there, and there's a lot of other blue bloods, teams. though, right? All blue bloods. All blue bloods. I, yep. you know, you could make an argument. Baylor's not a blue blood, maybe not Virginia, yeah. but the rest, the rest are certainly in that discussion. Virginia's been really good in our lifetime, anyway. Yeah. But in football, you know, going back to all the way back to 2011, Bama, Bama, Florida State, Ohio State, Bama, Clemson, Bama, Clemson, LSU, Bama, and now Georgia. You know, it's like three teams. So. Yeah. I think when you look at that, it's it's definitely football. But you're right. I mean, like the amount of hurdles and all the things that can seemingly happen in a basketball season and in the postseason, it's not easy. I mean, there's there's a reason why a lot has to go your repeats way. Also, yeah. Yeah. so I guess that argument could be made. Like, all right, well, if it's so hard, why does Bama do it almost every year? You don't have right. no repeats in basketball. It must be harder there. I don't know. No that's a, yeah, that's an interesting question. Uh, that's a good question. That's Thank a great question. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's where we need it. I don't have it's where it. we need it. But the goddamn it. echo just throws me off. It, well, it kills I'm gonna, me. I'm gonna put it back on just momentarily because we're almost done anyway. It's really I want to hear that. Nice little hour, eighteen minutes. Yeah, I want to hear that, and I don't even I can't even find it now. <laughs> is it on the second page? Did I put? It? Oh, it is. Oh, that's a great question. Oh. Uh, luck, right. All right. Thank goodness. I've been watching that, by the way. I found it on Hulu. I've been watching Tool Time, look at MFR here the last, uh, basically the last month. I gotta, I've, I've I gotta been... tick, massage the teed a little bit. I love it. <laughs> I do like having the board. All right, my, are you done? I've got one more. 
Yeah, I'm done. I'm done. Okay, I've got one more, and I think it's a good one to put a bow on this. We kind of just talked about Michigan's national title odds and how how difficult that could be on the gridiron, but we both think playoff again, and you think title. I think national title 2023. They are loaded. So I, I no question I, to me. It's dude. It's so weird to me. I like the way that I used to view Ohio state year in and year out as just this unconquerable team. They're so great. They, you know, the recruiting that's impossible to beat to me. It's not even a question that Michigan has the best roster in the big 10 conferences here. It's it's not even a question. I know I I'm with you. I'm with you. So with that in mind, Chris, I mean, obviously if you think Michigan's going to win the title, this would happen at the very end. Will Michigan have a number one by its name during the 2023 season? Mm. Let me think about that. So you got to take into account where they're going to start at, who might be ahead of them. No. Okay. No, because, because obviously if they win it, they would finish the season. Number one, that would, that would be the only correct. Yeah. Yeah. But I think uh, if not for the Penn state loss, I think, I don't know because I don't think Georgia's going to lose a regular season football game either. You know what I mean? And weak sauce, dude. You know it. It is, but I think I think Michigan is going to be number two, and I think they might hold that spot for a little while, and then I think they'll suffer the loss, kind of like similar to what we saw um, in 2016 when Michigan lost at Kinnick. Uh, shortly before playing Ohio State. I think Michigan went into Kinnick ranked number two or number three in the nation, lost that game, fell a couple spots, still had a chance to get to the Big Ten Championship after that, obviously lost to Ohio State um, on the road, the whole the whole spot deal. Um, so I think, yeah, the late season loss to Penn State will sort of throw that number one out the window. But at the end of the day, when you're raising the national championship trophy, it doesn't matter if you got one loss on your record. Dude. Georgia's going to start off number one, right? Yep. Uh, rightfully so. They won the title. Yep. They're, they're replacing Stetson Bennett, and they're you know they had to do some turnover here and there, but they're going to be number one, and they should be. Michigan probably is going to be number two. Should be. I, they'll be right there. If it's not them, maybe it's Bama, maybe it's Ohio State. It's not going to be TCU. Who I still you know, you know what I still think Ohio State is going to be ranked over Michigan. They probably will be. I think yeah. that I think I've seen that. Even though Michigan, I think got the early the early line as a two and a half point favorite over the Buckeyes in Ann Arbor. But anyway, dude, Georgia number one to start the year. Listen to their schedule. UT Martin, Ball State, South Carolina, UAB all at home. On the road at Auburn, Kentucky at home, Mm. at Vanderbilt, Mm. at Florida. Neutral site game, though, by the way. That's at the Jaguars stadium. Um, Missouri at home, Mm. Ole Miss at home, Mm. at Tennessee. Mm, Joe Milton. They close it out with a battle against Georgia Tech. Yeah, I mean, no, they're gonna. I mean, they're gonna be undefeated. They're gonna be number one. They're gonna be in the playoff again, and they'll be the favorite. And probably chasing a three P, and it's gonna be hard to not let them have that. until they run oh, into the Wolverines and they get the, the shit pounded out of them. They'll have the SEC championship, but yeah, that's just people complain about Michigan's schedule and their home games. Go ahead, go go. Go sit between the hedges and check that shit out for us. Melt your balls <laughs> off down there in Athens. Have fun with that. Good Lord. At least you can cool it off a little bit in Ann Arbor past like September 30th. Yeah. Man, dude, that's that's rough. Either way, book it. I mean, we do, we better start making reservations now. So, 
hotel again, reservations now. Yeah. But because of because of what I just read, no, Michigan will not have a number one by their name because that's never going to be given up by Georgia. You right? think even if they go undefeated during the regular season? Because to me, the, the, the but the win qualities late in the season, I would think Michigan. You know, depending on how things shake out, like like if like if Michigan State is once again a shitty team, like Michigan's not going to get credit for beating them on the road. But if <laughs> if they have a formidable team, if Penn State is decent, we know Ohio State we should be decent. I mean, Michigan is going to have the opportunity to get some quality wins down the stretch. Not to mention. We'll see what Nebraska looks like. Nebraska might actually turn out to be a pretty damn good team this year, this upcoming season. Who knows what Minnesota's PJ Fleck? Look, that's a wild card down there, and what kind of energy he can inject into that team. You know, they could go out and win ten and eleven games, rowing the boat. Who knows what to get uh, out of the, uh, the Gophers? But you know, in terms of quality wins, I think if Michigan does go undefeated and Georgia goes undefeated with those two schedules, to me, Michigan will have far more quality wins. It's still it's still a preseason number one defending champ on like a 30-game winning streak. It's just not – there's no – Fuck them. I, I mean, I'm with you. Look, I'm with you. Michigan may have proven more at that point by the end of next season, but no. Like, yeah. you, you know, dude, they were – there were they try they brought Nick Saban onto TV to try to get Bama in the tournament with like you know six losses or whatever the hell they had. I mean, it just, it's not gonna happen, dude. Michigan's not jumping them, but he sold it pretty well too. Yeah, no, but I mean, Michigan's winning every week and being number two behind Georgia would be just fine with me. Yep. So yep. there you go. All right, well, Chris. Whew. How long did we go? Did we just go? We just go and go twenty four. A buck 24 unrehearsed, basically unscripted. We should try to do this more often. I feel like my lips are chat. Like, you look sick, you pasty bastard. I'm like, I need some, I need some color. Is that a king of the hill? Right Florida. I need to get down to Florida. You need to get down to Florida. and need to get, get out of the sunshine shape. Sunshine state. Got it. All right. There you have it. We'll be back on Wednesday. We'll see what it turns into. I mean, like you said, no rehearsal. Off the dome. Well, when does so Michigan plays Thursday, and then if if they win, when is the next game? When's when's the uh, the game against Saturday. Purdue? Saturday. So so maybe, maybe you, might, you might get a Saturday show out of the boys. All right. Saturdays are for the boys. That's what they say. That's what they there say. You go. Chris, somebody asked about. I mean, turn this down just a hair. Somebody asked about your shirt earlier, where where it was from and what it was. Just, I mean, you know, they're off the books. Let's I mean, give them a shout out. They are off the books, but it is uh, from the lovely crew at Wolverine State Brewing Company, one of our favorite spots uh, during the football season, about a mile away from the stadium. Uh, what is it, on State? Uh, I think it's on State. It is. It winds yeah. around a little bit. But tucked, yeah. yeah, tucked away, nice little area, outdoor seating. Food is great. The beer is great. The crew is great there, and they've got uh, they got merchandise there, so they hooked uh, they hooked the guys up with some shirts and always happy to uh, to plug and represent those guys. There you have it. I love that shirt. Pork mac and cheese. You know, I'm all about it. I found what I like. I go to the well often. That is a next level tee, by the way. That's the brand. This is also a next favorite. My favorite t-shirts out there. Favorite ones out there. Fit awesome. They look awesome. They got a bunch Fits of my guys. body shape well. Chris, do they still have winged helmet shirts there? They did. Is that they still? Might, yeah, they might still have some there. I'm not sure. I've been out of the loop for a minute. In case you didn't know, go check them out. Go there. Have a beer plug we'll see you later saturday i don't know maybe saturday wednesday for possibly sure. see you